Welcome back to Vibes by Alicia podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here and giving me a bit of your ear to hear stories and ideas that I find meaningful and inspiring. This podcast is designed to encourage all of you to be so inspirational that other people crave your vibes. Bottom line, if you want success of any kind, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Every time you think you can't, you have to do it anyways. That last smile, the last set, the last five minutes on the clock, you have to play the last game of the season with the same intensity as you played the first. When your body is screaming and depleted and telling you, no way, asshole, you work harder and you tell yourself, do it now. You control your body. It does not control you. You shut out the fear and emotion and physical stress and you do the thing you dread. You don't go through the motions and watch the clock until it's over. You invest in what you started, pushing yourself again and again beyond where you've already been You don't have to love the work, but you're addicted to the results. Be relentless from good to great to unstoppable by Tim Grover. You know, Tim Grover is one of my favorite authors and somebody that I follow, you know, pretty religiously. Jamal is my uh, producer and he's here with me today. Hello, hello. We're doing a vulnerability podcast episode today. And I wanted to start with this reading from one of my favorite books. It's from the book Relentless. By Tim Grover. And Tim Grover was the the person, the trainer who worked with Michael Jordan, Kim, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, I believe with uh, the Wade, Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. He worked with a lot of them and he talks about how you go from great to amazing, idyllic, Butching yourself um, to the iconic. Next yeah. And so he's one person that I always go to whenever I need kind of that motivation to move move forward and move on. And Jamal, you know, yesterday I told you about this. We had I had a a really great um, uh, meetup with the Podfest people and also with the Pod Houston people, and they were here to talk a little bit about like how do we can take our podcast to the next level, how we can make it better, how to promote it, how to grow it. Obviously, you know, if I've been doing this, this is my probably my 94th episode now. I'm really committed to my, my podcast. It started during COVID. And, you know, they did say yesterday that when you started in COVID, like maybe 5% of those um, podcasts are still going today, you yeah. know, because so many people started a podcast uh, in 2020 that are not around anymore. And so the idea that we're still here and we're still doing we're it. still is, kicking. But it takes you back to that conversation, to that to that, um, to that thought, like of getting out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. and that's what Tim Grover really talks about. Is like, how do you get outside of that comfort and you push, 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 push? Because I think a lot of people like staying in the comfortable zone, mm-hmm. right? Because the comfortable, the comfortable zone is just comfortable. It's safe. Right. It kind of holds you. It kind of caresses you. It just holds you nice and tight. Yeah, but the <laughs> problem with being comfortable is that you know want to stay there there's no like real growth there's no you don't want to take any chances to lose that vulnerability so you you know you stay there and you tend to get stagnant and things just kind of die or are just going to be fine for the rest of like forever stay basic mediocre never grow and never get bigger and i think that's one of the things that i i read from his book is the way that michael and kobe trained was they wanted to do things that were 
not the norm. They wanted to be superseding the norm. They didn't want to have the, the training that everybody else has. They wanted to have Tim Grover train them in the way that they wanted to be number one and and grow from there. Um, Tim wasn't a, a team a team trainer. He was an individual trainer. So he trained right. each one of them on their own. And, you know, when I read this book or when I think about it, I think about, like, what is something for me that is very uncomfortable and that I need to start really pushing myself on? And talking about this with somebody last night, I think vulnerability for me is definitely that thing that I cannot get myself past because I keep a lot of things very close to my heart and very private. Um, and uh, I met this lady last night. Her name, I, you know, I need to tell you because she really kind of got me thinking about something in terms of vulnerability, in terms of like who we are as people and where we're going and where we're heading. She has a podcast called Better Call Daddy. Her name is Reem. Rena Friedman Watts is her name. She's got a really amazing podcast called Better Call Daddy, which reminds me of Better Call Dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like I like the play on words because Better Better Call Sal Saul is yeah. the one that I was thinking about. Like that 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 show. Did you ever watch that show? I haven't, but it's, it's on my list. You've got to watch. Did you watch uh, I, Breaking Bad? I stopped like oh, at the second to last no, season. You did not. So you I need did to not. get back. Yeah. You've got to go I, finish I Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay, go watch it and watch Better Call Saul. Those are great mm. shows. The writing is amazing and the direction is phenomenal. Yeah, Breaking Bad was amazing. So oh, and I've heard nothing but good things it. about Better Call Saul. So when I saw her podcast, it says Better Call Daddy, I said, oh, it sounds like Better Call Saul. I love that. But Rena, you know, she said something last night that was that was kind of poignant and something that really made me think. She's like, you know, my podcast is, on, is about, you know, conversations with people. And then my dad pipes in with his opinion. I'm like, oh, I wrote a book about my dad. And I, she was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Like, that's great. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But you know what? Not a lot of people know that. Um, why? Because it was a very personal project. Yeah. I'm very protective of my parents. I'm very protective of, of what my life was. And I guess coming out of my comfort zone is something I'm not very good at. Yeah. We've talked about this a lot, just behind the scenes on, you know, things that we could do, not necessarily to like grow the podcast, but you know, gain more of a presence online and or just, you know, kind of grow an audience and being vulnerable is a huge part of that because, you know, the idyllic lifestyle and things being perfect all the time is not how things really are in real life. So True. and I think you are trying to have that portrayal in your social media mm -hmm. and just in, in everyday life and just how you portray things, because I I. Knowing you for the last, what, six or so years, mm -hmm. I know a lot about the things that are immediate to you yes. because I'm around, around Rusk, I'm around Alex, but, you know, as much as I know that your dad is such a huge part of your life, I don't know anything about him. And same thing about yeah. your, your, your mom and, you know, because you keep that really close to your chest and... No, I'm not the type to pry. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think people ask questions and I'm very good about like, oh, you know, um, yeah, they're great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's amazing. Thank you so much. And I don't go into details. And I think part of where I'm trying to get to and part of where I'm working towards is becoming more vulnerable. 
I'm that person that's hurt and I will hide in a corner and just sulk and be hurt and nobody knows. Um, somebody can affect me. I could be crying a river and nobody will fucking find out because I am crying a river in my bed under my covers and nobody knows about it except for my husband. Even my kids sometimes don't realize it because I just don't want to worry them. You think that's part of like just how you're, you were raised growing up, like how you had to deal with it growing up and just kept going that route or is this it is. It is a bringing. It is a bringing because I felt like I could never complain or whine about anything because there were bigger problems. There were bigger issues. You know, I grew up in a very um, loving, beautiful, very functional family, but we were poor. So money was always a big problem for everything that we wanted to do. Like you never asked for it. You never, you know, talk about it. You always knew that there was always an issue. Um, My dad was just, you know, he was a maintenance worker and he didn't do very much. And my mom was a single mom. So for them, it was very like, um, you, you, you just sense it. You just felt it. And I think as the oldest of, of four, I knew everything that was going on, but you didn't bitch or complain about it. And I definitely did not come to my parents with any of my problems ever. So I kind of learned to kind of hold things in a lot. And so if I'm going through something, people will probably not ever figure it out. They'll never know that I'm dealing with a lot. Um, especially now that my mom is so sick and I'm always at the hospital with her and I'm like, people will not, they just kind of say, Oh, she's a podcaster. She's living her life. She's traveling. But I have to leave a lot of notes for people when I go on travels. I have to make sure that her appointments are on track, that her medicine is is taken care of, that I've checked to make sure that her insurance is on, you know, on par with everything that we're doing. And I think that's part of what you're saying. Like they they think we I lead an idyllic life and I really don't. I really I really do have a beautiful life. I really I'm not saying I don't, but there's a lot of things that are happening on in the background and behind the scenes that I don't let on. Yeah. I think a lot of people have those troubles in everyday life. And when I, when it comes to, you know, portraying that social, social media, mm-hmm. idyllic life, even I like fell into that trap, uh, especially as someone that grew up with social media, like, you know, starting, like I was in high school when Facebook came out in MySpace, uh-huh. and it was the start of those was more that you just said everything online. It was just another place to like, Oh, I'm going to do the laundry today. Ho-hum or, Oh, I went to this restaurant. It was very just matter of fact things that you did. And then at some point it became, wow, I'm going through this like terrible thing. And then people were like, I don't want to hear about that. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, if they don't want to hear about it, then I won't say anything. And then cue yeah. 10 years of just holding back a lot of myself and the things that I'm going through just to have this portrayal online of like not wanting to be that burden or wanting to let other people know yeah. that things yeah. are wrong when yeah. your right. friends and family actually like they really do care. They really do want to know. And part of that is just putting yourself out there little more and just being more honest and vulnerable as we're saying and I think it's important because you know what I remember in 2020 when I was trying to get some things going with us and you were not in the right headspace you said something like you know I'm really struggling with COVID I'm really struggling with everything that's going on in the world right now I need some time and I'm glad that you said that to me because 
I would be the kind of person that would keep pushing and asking, hey, let's go here. Let's go do that. I need some photos. I need yeah. some. I need you to edit. I need you to do some production for me. But I'm glad that you said that because that would have made me feel like, okay, I need to just kind of like let him get, have his time, not pressure him to do. Because I'm very bossy and I, I'm the kind of person that just pushes through things. And I, I think I mentioned this to you, that it's kind of a Gen Xer thing. Like you were taught not to whine. You don't complain. You go to work and you fucking put up with everything and you don't say a damn thing about it and you just keep grinding 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 and that was really my life for 15 years I grind I grind I grind I kept going I kept going I kept doing I kept doing um being the perfect wife being the perfect mom doing my job a full-time job doing all the teaching duties that I had to do even on the weekends writing lesson plans um preparing for my kids getting um tools for them going to the library right you know checking out books for my kids there was just a lot of things but you never complain about it you never told anybody about it even if my boss even asked me like how is it going are you doing good great I'm doing great I never said like oh I'm fucking like falling apart right now like I'm stressed out I'm overwhelmed my kids are little I can't handle that my husband works long hours and so I can't you know ask him to help me on anything right now it is like that yeah it it, it reminds me of just uh in general when you are talking to someone and they say hey how are you like, what do you say? Just in general, like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> it's like, oh, everything's Great. fine. Everything's fine. But what if you told them exactly, like, what's going on? Like, hey, how are you? Oh, man, like, I'm going through so much with my husband or, like, I'm having this money issue or, man, yeah. my parents are sick. And you just lay something. You lay all of that on somebody, like, immediately, and then they don't even know how to respond. <laughs> So that it's like so we've kind of been conditioned to not conditioned. let those things out because, you know, when people ask how you're doing, they don't really want to know. They just yeah. want to hear like right. they want to they want to hear that you're fine. And they want to hear that you're fine. But uh, on the in the background, in the beautiful photos that you post or in everything that happens on social, you st I still struggle with chronic anxiety. I still struggle with um, triggers for panic attacks. And it's really kind of something that 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 was created in me and it's it's baggage from years and years and years being 18 17 and having to take care of my parents they didn't speak English so I was the one that was always kind of in charge and I'm still in charge of them because I'm the one that you know talks to their doctors is the one that create you know even if my, my siblings are actually quite helpful and they're actually really good about it if I need help I can go mm -hmm. to them all of them all, all 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 of us all four of us are really good about that but I'm the oldest so I kind of like get the uh, responsibility kind of thrown on me. Um, but, you know, even on social, it may seem like, oh, she's always traveling. She's always having such a good time. But there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes before I go anywhere. And honestly, to be honest, my husband takes me on these travels to get me away from a lot. Yeah, a lot of the stress, a lot of the stress that I go through yeah. because I want to make sure, number one, I'm extremely protective and very careful about my parents and I would take care of them so much. And I think I carry that with me everywhere I go. And I think, um, you know, recently, quite frankly, I had a conversation online and I was talking to my um, my followers about, you know, being very cautious about where their parents are getting medical care and the medicines that they're taking because, um, my mom wasn't thriving for years because she was over medicated. And so 
again, I took it upon myself, feeling guilty. Like, why didn't I pay attention to that more? Why didn't I ask her what medicines was she taking? Why didn't I go with her with the doctors more often? Even though I go to w- with her all the time, I was feeling guilty that I was not there every single time this, these doctors were prescribing medicine. So one day she ended up in the hospital, and I asked the doctor, and I said, well, what's going on? And so he just went through, like, maybe I'm thinking it was probably 15 or 16 bottles of meds. And I looked at him, and I said, she's 72. She has cirrhosis of the liver. She has high blood pressure. Those are her critical chronic diseases, Mm. something that she has to manage for her whole life. I said, what in the world does she need all this for? Right. And so he goes through, like, well, she's pre-diabetic, so they gave her something for pre-diabetes. Oh, well, you know, she's got, um, you know, the liver could cause problems with her kidney, so she's got uh, something for her kidney, some diuretic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, moving, 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 going on. And I'm like, but does she need any of that? No, those are just preventive, I guess. I said, no, we are going to get her off, off all of those things and only keep the ones that are like really for her chronic illness, her lactulodes for her cirrhosis, um, her blood pressure medicine, things that she actually really needed. And after those things happened, Jamal, she was thriving and living. And I posted that on my on my stories. If you follow, follow me at the Alicia E., the underscore Alicia E, you will, you will see that I, I posted about that because she was in Mexico having the best time. She doesn't like to travel because she's always kind of, exa- I mean, she loves to travel, but she doesn't want to go because she's always so tired. Um, she's sleepy. But when we got her off all of those things, she was a new woman. Yeah. And I started to think, like, what are we doing? What confidence are we giving these these people and it goes back to being vulnerable and being um, afraid of um, of questioning the status quo or questioning doctors who we see as like above the fray. Yeah, a little bit of a godlike um, you know, characteristic. Yeah, just seeing them as the authority figure in that particular. Like, oh, the doctor knows what they're talking about, and you know, in a lot of cases they do, but. Sometimes, you know, you need second opinions, you need uh, just to have more trial runs and whatever, because being over medicated like that for anybody seems like a trip and (laughs) not not healthy. Like I have my own personal medication history and Mm -hmm. I will say um, as when the first time I was on antidepressants, as much as they helped the first time. Uh, by the end, it's, I wasn't particularly sad. I wasn't depressed, but I also didn't feel happy. I didn't feel like I was really living. It just seemed like I was a zombie going through life. And like, I just, I saw her. Yeah. And I just didn't feel anything. So then I'm just like, Nope, I'm going to get off this. I don't need it anymore. And then I stopped taking them. And then I'm, you know, I saw a noticeable difference in just how I was feeling and you know, how much, like, bringing the joy <laughs> back in life again because but I was... But how many times do we stop to question anything? We kind of take it as, like, oh, that's what the doctor said. Okay, that's what you need. And when I went to her and I started taking, I started packing up her meds, she goes, no, 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 the doctors told me I have to take it. And I said to her, I said, Mom, we cannot trust that all these doctors, number one, they're over-medicating you and they're giving you too much, and that's why you ended up in the hospital because you're, 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 you're consuming too many meds. Um, and so 
I feel like sometimes we really don't question the status quo. We don't question the authority. We don't say, stop, stop, stop. I need a second opinion. I need to know more about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times Hispanic parents or people of color get thrown under the bus because there's nobody there to advocate for them or to say something for them or to stand up for them and say, no, I don't like this. I don't think she needs to be on all of these meds. And so I questioned them and I said, can you tell me which one she really, really needs? Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, maybe there's like six or seven of them that she really needs as opposed to the 15, 16 one. And I said to somebody, I said to one of the nurses, I said, is it crazy? But I'm thinking 15 meds is a lot. She goes, oh, no, that's kind of at the lower end for older people, for elderly. And I said, what? Yeah. She goes, no, it's over 20 sometimes. Like they have to take at least 20. I'm like, why? I think that's just <sighs> how... We in the U.S. how we've uh, come to uh, deal. <laughs> That's not the right word. But as people get older, the preventative care that is given yeah. is not necessarily what they need. It's I think it comes with age, especially when you yes. get older. Then you're just like, okay, well, I can't do this anymore. And then you're just resigned to a new way of life. And like, yeah, I got to take this mess. And the doctor said so. Whatever, but not all, all not in all cases is that you know, is that true? Like sometimes you need to be able to assess whether uh, if this medication is working or not, or is this what you actually need? Especially when it comes to mental health, like ultimately, how do you feel when you're taking it? Because if if it's not helping, then can get rid of it. Maybe it's like you either don't need it or you need to change the medication. For me, when I got off of that initial one and I was off uh, antidepressants for like five or six years. Mm -hmm. But then when I had another just massive breakdown uh, in 2021, well, actually it was towards the end of 2020, but when I had that massive breakdown, I was just like, I will do anything to fix this deep, overwhelming depression Mm -hmm. and just not wanting to live anymore. (laughs) And just because ultimately I wasn't going to be here if I didn't get it taken care of. So that was a trial and error run of, okay, we'll give you this medication. And then that medication absolutely screwed me over. I was, I was sick <laughs> when I was taking that medicine and then I'm, I took it for like two weeks and I'm like hey this is actively making things worse <laughs> can we do something about this and Jamal I think that's a conversation that needs to be had the pharmaceutical industrial complex is huge and I think that what happens is they create one uh, illness to give you something else to fix that illness and then that creates another illness to, and then they give you another one to fix th- that illness there's a really great movie and i think it's on um on apple or hulu it's called dope sick oxycodone there we go oxycodone Oxy- oxycontin is the man it's the meds it's an opioid medication for treating pain Oh. And so it be- it becomes addictive and so they were pushing it and pushing it and i think a lot of times a lot of people a lot of doctors just prescribe something, especially for the elderly, just to get them out of the yeah, way and just to say, way. oh, here's this, shut up and go home. Mm-hmm. And if nobody's li- looking at it and nobody's advocating and nobody's like paying attention to what these doctors are prescribing, I think there's a really good chance that these patients or these do- these these um, people are getting 
things to be, you know, become zombies and just shut the fuck up and go and sit down and go and lay down and just leave me alone. Like, that's it. You're old. What does it matter to you? You know, what we're doing. And to me, honestly, like my parents live for the day when they can see their grandkids graduate from college, get married. They live for those days. They still have aspirations. They still have um, things they want to live for. But I noticed that when I was going to the hospitals with her, the elderly are treated so poorly and sometimes are not even paid attention. They're neglected. They're neglected a lot of the times. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about American pharmaceuticals and how uh, over prescriptions is a thing not necessarily because people are sick, but because then, you know, the pharmacies are getting paid. Like as much as it, like when people have to pay for these drugs, those people are making a lot more money. And so it benefits, uh, the it benefits big farm. Big yeah, pharma. big pharma. I hate, I hate. No, but it is, it is <laughs> big yeah, pharma. It, no, no, yeah, it is true. But it, it benefits them to prescribe as many medications as possible, especially when you become older because older people get dependent on these things. And so then it becomes an endless money sink. So they're always going to be getting more money from the people that are most vulnerable (laughs) going back to the vulnerability. But yeah, it's, it, it, it really is a problem and we should probably be looking at some of these problems more seriously, ultimately, and just taking better care of our senior citizens that is a long conversation to have and i hope we can take care of that in the near future well you know it's a conversation needs to be had because the boomers are retiring the boomers are at the stage in their life when they're in their late 70s and they're they're, uh, what's happening is it's a lot of us in the sandwich generation which are the people that are taking care of the boomers and we have kids it's we are having to deal with medical issues. Um, we're having to deal with their their real estate, their, what is it called, estate planning. Yeah. We're yeah. having to deal with, like, their medications, with their ND, DNRs, do not resuscitate. Like, we're having, we're the kids that are dealing with a lot of that. And we're the sandwich generation where we have the boomer parents that are dying, that are sick, and we also have the kids that are, you know, Gen Zers and dealing with their own shit and like dealing with their high school and like they're going to college. So we're in the middle and we're kind of that generation. What needs to happen is we need to really learn how to advocate for them and how to make things um, not easier, but more efficient yeah. for them, basically. Yeah, we're running into a real big problem that we're going to have to deal with soon because as the boomers start actually retiring and actually, you know, settling into their, their golden years and old age, they're going to become a burden, not necessarily like, Oh, we don't want to deal with them, but because of all the the medical issues that they have to deal with, you know, estate planning and just having to take care of all those people. Meanwhile, there are other people that are, dealing with their own issues and struggling and it's it's hard to juggle both right right we're gonna have to like come to (laughs) we we gotta fix something we have to and i think what happens is a lot of times we don't we don't have the resources so we don't know how to help them and we just like allow the hospitals and the doctors to take charge and just to dictate what our our elderly need to do but i've been working on a checklist actually talking about this whole thing 
And the checklist that I've been working on, and I've been putting it together with my writer, Arlette, is giving a checklist to you guys on what things you need to check for as you take your elderly, you take your family to the doctors or you take them to the hospitals. Like there's a component of things, they're like a checklist of things that you have to look through. I talk about the mental implications for the family, the 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 things you need to talk to the insurance about, how to get referrals, how to um, talk to the pharmacist about what the medicine that your elder you're taking, your family is taking. There's so much to learn about that. And I'm actually working on something about that. And talking about vulnerability and talking about the things that we, we see, what I want to just go back to the conversation is, you know, we have to really take stake of of where we are and where we're heading and really protect our energies and um, create a really good boundary of, around ourselves in terms of our mental health and what we allow inside of our energy source and, and our and our brain and our thoughts process because everything gets in, it gets internalized. So for me, and what I want to tell you guys about this episode and talking about um, vulnerability is, yeah, definitely telling somebody what's going on and what's happening. And definitely things are not always perfect as much as you think they are. They're not. Never. It never is. There's always something going on in the background that you're not looking at. It's just sometimes we're protective of our families. And that's just me. I'm just very protective of who they are and what they are. But coming up, I'm thinking I'm going to bring my parents on and have a little chat with them about what this means for them. I'm excited because I've heard so much about them. <laughs> and, it sh- and Alicia always says, oh, they're just the cutest. My dad's so funny. And, oh, he's amazing. And, yeah, they are the cutest people. I, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't met them. So that would be a great opportunity. They're so cute, Jamal, that when I tell them what I do about in a podcast, they have no clue what that means. They're like, is that radio? Yeah, <laughs> older people really have a weird issue on like what a podcast is because i was telling my grandma like yeah i do podcasts I think, what's a podcast i'm like oh like the radio like a radio show <laughs> yeah, they're like oh so show. you're on the radio can we hear you I'm like well, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what though know. that's the great thing about podcasting is that somebody regular somebody just anyone can be a voice for something and a voice for thought and a voice for humanity and a voice for growth and a voice for everybody who's out there dealing with the same situations. I really want to hear from you all. If you're in the sandwich generation and you're handling your parents' issues and you're handling your kids and you're, you know, struggling with, you know, doctors, hospitals, insurance, all those things, let me know. I want to know how I can help you. And if my checklist is a help for you, let me know too, because I will send it to you. I'm definitely going to be um, creating a PDF, downloadable PDF that you can take with you. And you can definitely talk about that. Jamal, this was supposed to be like a mini episode and we're like at 31 minutes now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <Whoops>. okay. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going, to, okay. So here's, here's my goal, Jamal. Okay. I'm going to try to be more vulnerable moving forward i'm gonna push you on that and i want you to hold me to it yeah i want you to i want you to tell me okay you got to open up a little bit more about you and who you are um i know you're protective i know you hold people close to yourself but yeah Yeah, you gotta do i mean yeah the the most that we can say and take away from this is that vulnerability is okay it's okay to be vulnerable but also you to have your own boundaries and you need to be able to protect yourself 
And you need to be able to establish these boundaries so that you're not being that your vulnerability won't turn against you. Right. And that, yeah, I think that's just living in a more digital social media run world is learning how to establish better boundaries while also being vulnerable. You know, and somebody that I follow and I definitely listen to is Brene Brown, and she talks about vulnerability. It's uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. It's 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 exposing your emotional side. It's an unstable feeling we get when we step out of our comfort zone and do something that forces us to lose control. And I'm a control freak, so that for me is definitely it's definitely a challenge because mm. I control everything. Every aspect of my life is very controlled from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. It's extremely structured and planned out and controlled. And if you try to get me out of that, I'm going to say, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not going anywhere. Like if I have a last minute invitation, I'm usually like, "Mm, no, I've I've already got a plan. My Mm. plan is this. This is what I'm sticking to. So yeah, I need to work on that and just kind of be more flexible and definitely more vulnerable in what I do and what I talk about. Um, and definitely I'm, invi- I'm inviting my parents next time. We'll definitely have them on and you guys can get a little bit of a glimpse inside my family and why I am who I am. And like those, those two are just hilarious and funny. And if you speak Spanish, good, because you have to probably, <laughs> you probably not understand what they say in English. It's a little harder for them, but they try. They really do. Oh. Um, my, my daddy's a lot better at it. My mom is actually pretty good, but she's very much afraid of being like, criticized because she doesn't say things properly or something um anyways they're great they're amazing and so guys i want you to definitely head over to my community i want to talk about my community i have a community of sponsors a community that are stakeholders in the podcast please come around please go over to my pot to my website tbbyalicia.com and you're going to see that I have a community with three tiers. Those three tiers are so important because that's how we stay grounded. That's how we stay moving forward. That's how we fund what we do. You know, having a podcast isn't necessary, isn't free, quite frankly. So we honestly ask you guys to please be a part of it. Please come on and join. You get a t-shirt. You get a 30-minute monthly one-on-one with me. You get a shout-out on the podcast you also, if you, if you get the Globetrotter, that's my la, that's the highest levels, you're going to get insider supporter of the podcast, monthly one-on-one 30-minute chat with me, a signed book. You also get invites to invite-only events for my insiders. And then also, I'm including a welcome travel gift box. So all of you that know that I love to travel, I always bring things back for my travel, so that's included in there. So don't hesitate. Go to my website, tbbyalicia.com, tb byalicia.com and then you'll see at the very front inspire vibes global insider join it come on along the ride you will find yourself part of a community um and then also get a lot of really good feedback from me and insight from me we can talk about anything the 30 minute chats are about anything you want to talk about well alicia has a lot that she can offer and she can say and i have a lot of value just being in Alicia's circle, so and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so I imagine a lot of other people would benefit as well. So thank you. Should join. 
And I'm actually hosting a Poshmark class, too. For anybody who wants to sell clothes on Poshmark, I'm really good at it. I just went to a conference, and I learned some really cool t- tricks. Okay. So I definitely want to tell you guys about that until you can come. And I'm hosting a class October 29th and November 5th. You can sign up again at tbbyalicia.com. And the ticket is only $35, but honestly, you'll make the $35 in, like, one cell, I'm sure, or two cells. It's it. Like, you will have so much value out of this, and I guarantee it that you will get sales from my from my workshop. And if you don't get sales from my workshop, ladies, I will give your money back. I will give you your $35 money back if you don't get sales from my workshop, because I'm guaranteeing I sell at least $100 to $200 a week on Poshmark. Wow. So please go on there, check it out, see what I'm talking about. Do not hesitate. Jamal, this has been good. Yeah. A we, little bit of vulnerability. Did I talk a little bit? Vulnerable. I don't think I talked a little bit. <laughs> you know, you did. You did. did. We both okay, got so the, Okay, I'll go into more vulnerable things moving forward. Hold me to it. Especially in your social media. <laughs> Do more social media. God. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. We know. We know. Okay. You're, Jamal, yeah. I'm taking the challenge. I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. Thank you for that. All right, my loves, thank you so much. Follow us, give us some feedback, tell us what you're thinking, and share this episode with anybody you think that would benefit from it. Thank you, Jamal. I appreciate you. Thank you. You know what time it is.